1: Hi everyone, welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Leminski, Executive Editor.
2: Hi everyone. Well
1: Mara, we have some big doings at Days of Our Lives, so we now know who is behind the Marlena, Kate, and Kayla story, and drumroll please, it's Megan Hathaway, played by Miranda Wilson. So I had the chance to speak to Miranda about returning to the show again. Uh, She lives in England. She had come back last year to do Beyond Salem Chapter 2. You know, she hadn't been on the show since 84. Uh, She says she was really tickled and overwhelmed by the fans' response to her um, that she saw on social media. You know, there wasn't social media back in the 80s, so the feedback wasn't immediate. So she admits that when she got the call to return, she wasn't that shocked because the fans had welcomed Megan back so enthusiastically last year. This time around, she's having a ball working with Deidre Hall, Lauren Coslow, and Mary Beth Evans, and we can also expect to see her interact with other characters in the weeks ahead, and of course, Fold into the Bowen Hope arc, which is poised to kick off in a couple of
2: weeks. I'm so excited for this. You know, I think one of the juiciest parts of Beyond Salem Chapter 2 was just what a glorious villain Miranda brought to life as Megan. And it was very clear that there was a whole lot more story to be told there. The fact that we're getting it on the mothership and in conjunction with the imminent returns of Bowen Hope is just icing on that cake. But as we welcome back one great villain, it's time to say goodbye to another. Ryan Chamberlain recently took his last breath on GH and though he has cheated death before on multiple occasions, in fact, it does look like this time it's for keeps. And I say that because he was zipped up in a body bag, which is about (laughs) as close to a neon sign flashing. He's really dead as (laughs) GH tends to offer. Um, So I had a lovely conversation with John Lindstrom, his portrayer, about saying goodbye to the uh, psychopath pediatrician that he has played on and off since 1992. John told me that Ryan is more fun to play than Kevin, his twin, because Kevin is repressed and Ryan is not. But still, he's not shedding any tears over this. He totally gets that the show had reasons for scripting the death. And he said that to him, it's neither here nor there. And of course, he does have another character to play. So it's not like he's leaving the show by any means. Uh, he and I also talked about the fabulous time he had working with Ali Mills, who played Heather and whose run has also come to an end. And for now, you know it is very hard for me to believe that we have seen the last of her. Not only is is Heather a character with a long history of coming and going and being locked up at an institution and then breaking out of that institution, but I think Allie was so brilliant and impressed so many people, like both at GH and in the viewing audience, that figuring out the next way to bring Heather back has probably moved higher up on GH's priority list. And I got to tell you, you know, it's not totally out of the ordinary for me to text one of the actors when I'm watching the show. If there's something they're doing that, you know, inspires me to grab my phone and say, oh, my gosh, I'm watching today's episode. And you were so great in such and such scene. And my texting fingers got a serious workout during Ali's run because she was just so much fun to watch and just captured heather's outrageousness so well
1: oh i couldn't agree more and this is coming from someone who is the biggest fan of robin mattson's heather yeah i I can't really think of my own gh experience without thinking about how much i loved seeing robin play heather's stories but Allie really did such an incredible job stepping in and really playing such dramatic material i mean it's a far cry from her role as bold and beautiful's pam where she is really most famous for baking lemon bars (laughs) and on another cbs note i have been so invested in the Lily and Devon drama on The Young and the Restless. I feel it is one of the most realistic stories playing out currently on soaps, and Crystal Khalil and Brighton James are bringing it. I mean, sibling squabbles are very true to life, and this one deals with big business and Neil's legacy, which I always love when the show references Christoph St. John's character. But Crystal and Brighton went toe-to-toe in scenes this week, and I was glued to the screen. And, you know, I just love getting excited about new stories and being pulled into scenes with great acting and if anyone missed it go catch a repeat on paramount plus you will thank me
2: i would also add that i think any conflict between lily and devon is one we just automatically care about deeply as viewers because we have seen that relationship build on screen from the ground up and these are two actors who we have seen play out so many different life chapters together you know not only are crystal and brighton doing great great work but it's the kind of thing that makes me stop and just take a moment to appreciate how freaking amazing it is that soaps you know on soaps and only on soaps can we watch a relationship like that play out over decades i just think we are all very lucky as soap fans to be in on something like this people who don't watch soaps don't know what they're missing
1: well, that is very true. And in general, Young and Restless is really ratcheting up the drama as the countdown to its 50th anniversary on March 26th has begun. Our guest today will play a big part in the celebration. It's Barbara Crampton, who plays Liana Love in Genoa City, but is also known for a host of other projects. So let's see what it was like for her to go home again. Hi, Barbara. Hello. How are you, ladies? Great
2: to be Very meet you. good. How are you? Amazing.
1: So good. Yeah. Well, we are super excited to talk to you. Uh, Mara and I were talking about the various things we wanted to address in this podcast, so uh, because there is a lot of material to go over with you. So let's start. You were born in Levittown, New York and raised in Vermont and spent your summers traveling the country with the carnival that your father worked for. What kind of memories do you have of that experience?
0: Every summer we would travel with the fairs and and carnivals through Ohio, Virginia, and um, sometimes Georgia. And Massachusetts.
2: That's just was that a fun way to spend the summer? Well,
0: I think so. I mean, yes, every every kid loves going to the carnivals. Um, you know, it's sort of an older pastime now with so many things to do in life. But way back then, in the early 60s, when I was a young person it was a really wholesome kind of entertainment and it was something that everybody looked forward to. If you had a a fair or carnival in your neighborhood or in your state, people would, you know, you go to those things and you want to see the animals and um, you want to see the bake sale and that kind of stuff. Um, I was drawn to, you know, just the characters on the midway. And even my father was a big character um, trying to entreat people into playing his game versus other people's games to try to win a prize. And his game that he invented was called the Crazy Ball Birthday Game, and it was a twelve-sided block. And you throw the block into this big center pit, and if it lands on your month, your birthday month, then you win a prize, and you take take your choice. So there was you know twelve you have t- you have twelve options. You put a quarter down on January or a quarter down on December. And then if you win, you, you know, you, you, uh, you take your choice. So that was his big game. And I ran the basketball joint and I was really good at shooting baskets.
1: All right. (laughs) When did you first realize that you wanted to be a performer?
0: Probably during those days. I I will say that my father, they, they called my, my, my father, the best mic man in the business, because he really was, Um, kind of a little bit of a magician and sort of host Bombay Vivant, and was really good at telling jokes. And so just watching him and his charisma and having this personality that people would gravitate towards, I think that was a little kernel of what I, you know, was attracted to in terms of performing. Um, But then also growing up when I was really little, I used to come home and watch the million dollar movie at four o'clock after school that was on WPIX Channel 11 in uh, the East Coast. And I would watch all the old movie stars and loved doing that and also loved watching um, Dark Shadows, uh, you know, foretelling. I know this is we'll get to that later, but foretelling the fact that I produced and acted in a movie where I played a vampire called Jacob's Wife. 40 years later. Um, but I was all, always obsessed with vampires and soap operas and I really loved dark shadows. That was my show.
2: I love that. So you went to college, studied yes. theater there and then made the move to Los Angeles. So
0: how did you, well, I actually took a detour. I went to New York city for about a year Okay. and I, and I acted, let me think of what their name was. It was an off-Broadway, um, repertory company. Uh, It was called CSC. And I can't remember what that stands for, but I did King Lear with them and played Cordelia and King Lear and did a few other little, little acting jobs that were mostly theater in New York, but really only stayed there for about a year because I knew that I wanted to work in television and film, even though I went to school for theater. And I just thought, well, Probably Los Angeles is the place to be and I met somebody his name was Paul Pompeian and he was a friend of a friend he died a number of years ago but he was a very prolific and successful movie of the week producer and he said to me if you come out to Los Angeles Barbara I will help you
1: and really
0: at you know 21 based on that I went there's my ticket I'm going to LA because Paul Pompeian's going to help me So I moved to Los Angeles with a girlfriend and Paul helped me get my first commercial agent. And he also introduced me to uh, the Kellen Jennings. They were mostly a sports agency, but I met with them and they said, oh, we want you. We, you know, you're great. We like your look. You've done a lot of theater, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I think it was easier to break into the business back then than it is now. I feel bad for the younger people. Anyway, I got got sent out on my first audition for McKellen Jennings, which was for Days of Our Lives. My very first audition, I was working at a restaurant in Los Angeles, Los Angeles on Melrose. Um, And maybe I'll think of the name of it. It's called something else now. Oh, Cafe Figueroa, Cafe Figueroa, Cafe Figueroa it was on Melrose. Some people might remember that. And um, I went in for the audition and, and I just read and they said, oh, that was great. And then they had me come back and read again. And then they said, you're going to test for this part with John DeLancey. And I was like, test? What does that mean? What's a test? Uh, well, you have to come in and they're going to put makeup on you and you're going to have to do a scene and there'll be some other actors that will also be up for the part and there, there'll be like five of you. So you'll have to, you have to come in and do that. And that was probably the most nerve wracking moment of my life. Just never really being on camera before. Anyway, short story is that um, I did the audition for the test and then I was, and I felt pretty good about it. Um, and I was, I was leaving the studio and it was at NBC up in Burbank and I was walking to my car And John DeLancey comes running out, running out. I can still see him running, 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 Barbara, Barbara. And there was a chain link fence and his fingers grasped the chain link fence. And I ran up to him and he looked at me, he goes, Barbara, congratulations. You got the part. And I went, I did. Oh my God. That's amazing. I go home and I tell my agents, guess what you guys I did the test and I got the part and they said, you haven't gotten the part. We haven't heard from the producers. We don't know you've got the part. I said, yeah, but the actor told me I got the part. And they said, no, no, no. He just really liked you. And he, you know, whatever, you don't have the part yet. We don't know if you have the part. I'd say three weeks went by before I even got the call from my agent saying, oh, they want to negotiate with you. You know, they're offering you this. And I thought, oh, I didn't get the part. Like, I need to talk to John
1: DeLance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, what happened? What was going through his mind? Because I don't remember ever asking him what was up with that. Like, you told me I had the part, but I really didn't. Or did they just tell you that they liked me the best? I don't know what happened. But anyway, you know, I did get the part and I was on that show for about a year. So that really started my career.
2: hmm.
1: Well, uh, Trista was Marlena's cousin. What do you remember yes. about working with her portrayer, Deidre Hall?
0: Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I think at 21 or 22, however old I was when I first started that show, maybe I was a little older, 23, 24, I don't know. I was very intimidated by Deidre Hall. I mean, she's a real pro and gorgeous and just had that character down and still does today. Um And I think the my very first day, there was a lot of people on the show and they said, oh, you're going to share a dressing room with Deidre Hall. How fortuitous is this? You'll get to, you know, meet her and really hang out with her. And, and, you know, you can recurse your stuff together. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't really want to share a dressing room with Deidre Hall. It's Deidre Hall. Come on. You know, I felt really like a newbie and intimidated and scared and nervous, but Uh, She was lovely and nice, and really helped me through my first day. And um, it was fantastic. And you know, I I mean, you could do worse than than working with Deidre Hall on your on your first day of filming a soap opera.
2: I just got nervous for you that she was your roommate as a as a brand new actor, not only to the show, but you've not been on television before, really.
0: Oh, I can remember my first line of the for my the show was uh, for my first appearance was. Hi, I'm your cousin, Trista from Colorado. And I have to say that to Marlena. That was the first thing I ever said. I must have said that line to myself 500 times just that day thinking I'm going to forget that line. I won't be able to get it out. People are going to know I'm scared. It was, you know, with all the experience that I had working on stage in New York and then being, you know, the lead in many plays in college, I, I. I just didn't know if I would be able to do it. It was sort of crazy how frightened I was, but it turned out fine. I think what's, you know, for a lot of us, what's in your mind and what's in your head about what you think about certain situations and how nervous you get about things is really different than, than how maybe you're coming off. Um, so that was a good lesson that I learned back then.
2: Well, your main love interest on the show was amateur casting director John Delancey, who played Eugene. <laughs> uh, what was he? He liked to work with once you actually did have the job and oh, with him.
0: Oh, I mean, John Delancey is is an amazing actor and very, you know, there's it. it I think it's difficult on soap operas because you have to be very studied and you have to be very sure of your lines. There's not a lot of time to rehearse things so you really have to come in performance ready so a lot of people I think come in very presentational they have what they're going to do they have what they're going to say and their their performance seems presentational Um, and it's the few actors that you work with I think I mean this is probably true really in in any medium you know be presentational or really organic you have to be able to touch something inside of yourself and the other person when you're when you're working with somebody. And I often think that people aren't necessarily watching people's individual performance, but they're watching the energy that is passed between you. And I feel like with John Delancey, he was very open and free and and just very honest and real. So as much as probably I came in feeling like I had to be very presentational and very correct and making succinct choices and clear choices and And wanting to, you know, everybody and wanting to put everybody at ease, like, I know my lines. I know what I'm doing. Don't worry about me. I'm going to disarm you. And, you know, I'm I can be a professional like you guys are. Um, But there was something about working with John that that felt very open and and very real. So I I feel like he's a really real actor, you know, just just honest and and intuitive. And and working with him was um, a great benefit to me to start out. Working with somebody like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, was there anyone that you remember connecting with on the cast while you were there? Besides those two? You know, I, I
0: became quite friendly with Christian Alfonso when she, I think was the, she was a skater. She was like a famous, you know, young skater, won awards for skating. And this was her very first acting job. And we became friends and we hung out. We did things together. Um, And it's funny now that I came back on The Young and the Restless. There's a few people, you know, I've been on Twitter and Instagram forever. But um, some, I think maybe from your magazine, thank you for putting me on the cover. You're welcome. (laughs) A lot of people saw that. And Christian Alfonso followed me on Instagram. So I followed her right back. I haven't talked to her in 30 years or whatever. So, you know, maybe I'll send her a little DM message. Maybe she's listening to this and she'll know. I'll reach out to her and say hello. But um, I was really quite friendly with her at at that time. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. So you were on this.
0: Oh, but wait, I want to mention another person. It just came to me. Kane Hodder was a stunt coordinator on the show. I think he was the head guy. And Kane Hodder, you know, I also work in the horror genre quite a bit. And uh, I've come across Kane Hodder in, in my whole life of my whole career. I mean, he's the person that I've worked with the longest, 35, 38, 40 years or so. And it was first with him being the stunt coordinator on, on Days of Our Lives. And then later, I, I know him through the horror genre.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. It's such a small world, and you wouldn't necessarily think that there's overlap, but we'll we'll get into that more as yeah. we go. Yeah. Um, so you were on the show for about a year. Trista very sadly fell victim to the Salem slasher, aka yes. Andre Demera. So were you at that point sad that that was her fate, or were you ready oh, to yeah. leave?
0: Oh, also, I want to say, you know, it's everything's bringing back these memories. It's so funny because I felt like when I went back to wine art. I'm going to circle around to your question. I I showed up and I felt the first day on YNR and I felt like, oh, I I'm in a time capsule. I've I've gone into the wayback machine, and all of a sudden I'm you know back in time. So as we're talking, I'm remembering I was also really really friendly with Felice Sampler on on Days of Our Lives. Wait, what the heck was your question again?
2: Well, I was asking about Trista being killed off, but by let's sure, talk so about that's all.
0: yeah, because because Felice. Was a very big part of that storyline. Yes. And so I remember, you know, I mean, my time there was brief. It was really 10 months that I was on the show. And to be honest with you, I'm going to be really honest. You know, at my age, I'm just going to throw it all out there. I don't think that my acting for the camera was as good as I hope it's become over time. I think that when I was on uh, Days of Our Lives, my acting was quite big and it took me a little Time to sort of hone that down. Um, you know, the energy inside of an actor should be the same whether you're working in film or television or theater, but the aperture through which it flows is different depending on what the medium is. And I'm I'm not so sure. I kind of feel nobody's ever told me this and they wouldn't tell me this. But to be honest with you, I feel like I was okay on Days of Our Lives. I wasn't that great. (laughs) So, you know, I think they probably also killed me off because they were like, ah, she's okay. But she's not amazing. So let's just make her a victim. Um, <laughs> you know, at the time, of course, it hurt my feelings. And, uh, you know, they said, oh, you're not going to be on the show anymore. You So you come in with a three-year contract, but then, you know, they can have options on you. And then if things aren't working for the story or whatever, they, whatever they feel like they need to do that. Um, it just wasn't working for them. So, so they let me go, but that's okay. You know, I got over it and then, and then, uh, started doing, uh, you know, I know you're going to ask me specific questions, but I started doing some film work and then I, you know, I would kind of go back and forth between film work and soap operas and film work and soap operas. And I love both. So whenever an opportunity came up, you know, I, I would say yes. And I think over time I, d- I did go and after Days of Our Lives, I went and studied with a coach who was a film, a film uh, actor coach, and and worked with him. And I think really immediately, I I got it, like I understood what everybody was doing and and how to act on film. But it's definitely you know a different muscle. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, pre y 2 of the soaps that you did brief runs on were. Santa Barbara, and then you played Sandy in the unaired pilot for Rituals, that syndicated soap. So what do you remember? Did that, never, that? Air? Did that never air? The soap I... opera aired, but the pilot yeah. didn't. Oh, the pilot
0: yeah. not aired. Okay. So nobody ever said Yeah, I watched it. Rituals. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So, so what do you remember about those experiences?
0: I just remember with, I, I don't really remember Santa Barbara. I think I was just Came on as a day or two. I have no idea what I did. Who I was, <laughs> nothing. Um, and I do remember working with Jill Farron Phelps on Rituals. I think she was one of the producers of that. Um, and that was a nice experience. There's a, another writer. I'm trying to think of. I can't remember his name. I, you know, it was I think that pilot was shot over you know a week or something. Um, so I don't really. Actually, don't
2: remember what I did in the
0: pilot either.
2: Do you remember? I don't know you it didn't air, so who knows? Right. Like, we can't reference it to get our questions answered. It's terrible. Um, well, those were blips, right? But in yeah. 1987, you joined the cast of YNR originally as Diana yes. Randolph. And um That gig was supposed to only be for a few months. Uh, So what do you remember about landing the job? First of all, huh?
0: Let me think. I I don't, I don't think I tested for that. I think I just read for it. I came in and read for it. And it was, I think the casting director's name was Jill Newton at the time. She was one of the casting directors. And I remember coming in and reading for her. She laughed, you know, there was some, it was a quirkiness to Leanna, even from the beginning And, and then she, I remember she gave me a little adjustment and said, I'm going to have you come back and read for the producers. I don't remember exactly who I read for, whether it was, you know, Mr. Bell senior or, or some of the producers or Ed Scott or who I, I just don't remember. I do remember just my first reading with her and then them saying, okay, you have this job and it's going to be. For a few episodes and in my mind what I recall was that it was maybe going to be three months and my character was in love with Stephen Lassiter who was the boyfriend of uh, Eileen Davidson's character Ashley Abbott and I came on uh, being one of Stephen Lassiter's patients who fell in love with him and then decided to come to Genoa City to try to kill Ashley to find you know find out if I could get to be with Stephen Lassiter So they didn't tell me what my illness was on the show. And I think I asked and they said, well, we don't know. She's crazy. And I said, (laughs) figure out what that means. Like in actor terms, how do I, I can't play crazy. I have to play an illness. So I went to two or three different psychiatrists. I called people like out of the phone book and said, I'm doing research for a part. And I was wondering if I could come and talk to you about this character and this, these are the kinds of things she's doing. What do you think an illness is appropriate for these kinds of ways that she's acting? So both people or two people that I recall said, she sounds like she has a borderline personality. And I was like, what's that? So I researched borderline personality. Then, you know, she had these bouts of psychosis. So that's what we decided with this one psychiatrist. Then I got to be friendly with him and he said, yeah, I think she has, Borderline personality with bouts of psychosis. So I believe I mentioned that, you know, to everybody who would listen to me. Oh, Leanne has borderline personality with bouts of psychosis. And that's why she had these visions and thinks, you know, people are talking to her. And sometimes she's really, um, you know, she has outbursts and she's outrageous and she's strange. And then other times she's like more placid. Um, so that's what I played. And then they kind of liked what I was doing. So they asked me if I would stay a little longer and I believe that it was only going to be for another year. They said, Oh, would you sign a year contract? And I said, yeah, of course. Oh my God. I love this. I'm having so much fun. And um, then they had to redeem me, of course, because you can't have somebody like that, that outlandish um, and, and expect them to and expect the viewers to be able to go along with that for a long period of time. So I, I got redeemed. I got a little better. Um, you know, my psychosis, sort of faded. I was just, I'd say eccentric going forward. So that's kind of, you know, what I played. And I also, um, you know, played a little comedy. I, I just, I don't know. It just came out with her. She was she liked to push people's buttons and she was sort of funny and wanting to get her own way in, you know, any way possible. So uh, I, I don't know. I just tried to inflict a little humor upon the material and then they started writing that way. And that's the nice thing about soap operas because they really do watch you as a performer and they kind of figure out what your essence is and who you are and they write to your strengths. And so that's why the audience falls in love with the characters because the actors are really being true to what their instincts about the character is and who they are, like in the role, because everybody's going to be a little bit different, right? Depending on, you know, who's playing. I mean, there's a lot, there's been a lot of different Jacks. There's been a lot of different Dianes. um, And, and you kind of um, can see that everybody has a little bit of a different take on a character. So it's the essence of the person that comes through and the writers are so good about that. And so far, was in in writing to, you know, who they think you are and what your strengths are. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, what did it mean to you that this did turn into a longer role than perhaps you originally intended and was, I guess, different than your day's experience? And
2: that was
0: the inverse. You know, it was really nice. I felt very comfortable. Um, I I don't think I felt comfortable on the day set just because I was such a new actor and didn't really know what I was doing. But by the time I got to YR, I felt really comfortable and I felt very confident and it was a completely different experience. And uh, everybody was just amazing. And I, you know, I got to work with Eric Braden and and I started with Terry Lester and you know, he was an amazing actor. And um, and I worked with Melody Thomas Scott and, and I worked with Jeannie Cooper. They were all, they're all, you know, the, the ones that remain aside from Jeannie, I mean, they're all amazing actors. Amazing. I don't care if you're talking soap operas, movies, television to play. These people are fantastic. And, you know, I had to really step up and be on my game to hopefully be as good as them. And also just, you know, uh, working for Ed Scott, who now is on The Bold and Beautiful as the as the supervising producer. I think that's his title. I'm not sure. He's the guy that calls the shots in the booth. Um, he he was just fantastic to work with. And back in those days, it, it was Ed that would come out and give us a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, notes and direction. It wasn't often the, the director who was, you know, working with the camera people. It was really the producer that would come out. I'm sure they conferred in the booth, but then Ed would come out and just give lovely, amazing notes for us and always made the scenes better. And, um, I, you know, I I felt really supported on that show and you know, I felt like they really cared. I mean, it, it was a fantastic experience. And then they asked me to stay even longer. And I don't I don't remember if it was another a two-year or three-year contract. I think it was a I think it was a three-year contract. And I believe that I that I fulfilled that. And then they asked me to stay for another three-year contract, but I didn't, they 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 didn't kill me off, but they, you know, they were they needed to move on from working with liana for whatever reason and and so i didn't make it through my second three-year contract
2: well i have to say i hope you you wear as a badge of pride and honor that the story of the jack victor feud cannot be told without mentioning the character of liana because her book writing was so so key no
0: i know i and i know you have really long time voracious and committed listeners and Yes, um going back, you know, if we want to revisit that, it 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 was that Jack Abbott wanted me to write a book about Victor and and so I wrote it under an assumed name. I think it was Nora Randall and the book was called Ruthless. And so I dug up a lot of dirt on him and I wrote this bad book, you know, about him. The book was good, but he was bad. And- <laughs> Then subsequently working with him and not working with him, but me, the actress working with him. And then um, my character kind of falling in love with him. I felt really bad about it because I really liked him. And then there was an issue with him and, and um, Ashley Abbott. And I don't know what was going on or he was going to marry Nikki. And then he didn't. And somehow somehow he wound up marrying me with, (laughs) you know, with the Colonel sort of involved in that situation.
2: Yeah. And,
0: right. And then, and then we got, we got married and I was happy for about a minute before he found out that I was in fact the one who wrote that book or, or maybe I wrote it. No, I think I wrote another good book about him.
1: Yes. There was an authorized biography and an unauthorized yeah. biography. And she revealed yeah. that Ashley secretly aborted Victor's baby in that book. Yeah. I'm really sorry about
0: that. But- <laughs>
2: all
1: these years later it's good yeah Yeah. you
2: you know really did a a number on ashley back in the day we got to say yeah. uh and i feel like it was in you know once that storyline sort of concluded that they really really leaned into the comedic uh timber that you were bringing to the show and that's when they did the i hate men campaign and they turned leanna into a talk show host yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, that was my introduction to YNR. That was the era I started watching mm. And I just remember so much color that you brought to the show Which was really lovely as a viewer
0: Well, I also think that when, thank you for that I think that when I first started on the show Even when I was just playing a character that I thought was only going to last for three months I, I watched the show and I, and I was like, huh You know, there's a really wide tableau here. And what is missing? What is what is what is a character not doing? And I didn't see anybody doing comedy and I didn't see anybody playing sort of flirty sexuality except for Tracy Bregman, who did that a little bit, who I subsequently became very good friends with. And I was like, huh, I think I could lean into the the sexing, the sexuality or the flirtation bit just because it's not there. So I'm going to just arbitrarily, I'm going to impose that on my character just because I thought, well, why not? I, I'm i just going to do that because it's not there and just see what happens. And then the comedy was something. I mean, you just don't see a lot of that on soap operas anyway. Um, so, you know, and there's levels of it that you that you feel comfortable doing at different times. So. When there was a moment that I could inject it and I would. And then, yeah, so that that's kind of, you know, I, I think her character evolved over me playing it and then, you know, what the writers wrote and what the writers saw. And yeah, just, you know, it kind of it evolved over yeah. time.
2: Go to your happy place for a happy price.
1: Go to your happy price, price, line. But you did bring a color that no one else had, which is also why okay. I think it made Liana such a memorable character. Yeah,
2: agree.
0: Thank, oh, thank you. I'm I'm very proud of Leanna, and I'm I'm honored that I really am the only person that played that part. And they, you know, they asked me after I moved to San Francisco a number of years ago. And I did make guest appearances after that. And I kept coming back, um, you know, and then there was, there. I mean, when I was on the show the other day, Joshua Morrow said, when were you here last? And I said, I don't know, like, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, nine years ago. He goes, wow, it doesn't seem like that long. And then somebody said, actually, Barbara, it's been like 14 or 16 years. And I and I said, what? <laughs> Come on, no,
2: that's not true. <laughs>
0: And we were all shocked, like it's been that long. So it has been that long. Yeah.
1: That's because the pandemic years I feel now, like you forget Lots about of those. to So we can
2: throw those out.
1: That's so. right. So it's hard <laughs> to remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, shortly after you wrapped at Y and R, you were tapped by Guiding Light to take over the role of Mindy Sue Lewis, which brought you to your first New York-based soap. So what do you remember about how you came to be cast on Guiding Light?
0: You know, uh, I mean that that was a that was a hard show to do in that I had, I was the fourth Mindy and I had to fill a lot of shoes because every viewer had their favorites and I'm sure the writers had their favorites too. And I wanted to be able to tick the boxes for everybody that they, that they wanted out of the character, um, but also bring my own take to it. So I was very sensitive to the fact that um, I had to, you know, really disarm people and make them feel again, comfortable with me doing it and saying, I can, I can take this over. They had wanted me to audition for that part. I was Jill Farron Phelps again. And I, I, for some reason, I didn't want to audition. I don't remember. It doesn't sound like me, but for some reason I didn't want to audition or maybe I didn't want to move to New York. And so they asked me if I was interested in auditioning and I was like, I don't know if I want to move to New York. I like Los Angeles. So I let that opportunity go by me. And then they cast, it's, you know, it's no secret. I'm not telling any stories, but then they cast Anne Hamilton and it just wasn't working for them. So they called me and said, you know, we just don't think we're going to continue with, with Anne. We love her, but it's just not quite working. We don't really know why. We're just want, want to offer you the part. So you don't have to audition. You don't have to do anything. We're just offering you the part. So that was kind of an opportunity that I couldn't pass up.
1: As it should have been from the start. Your work speaks totally. for itself at that point. Right. Well, that's okay. I
0: don't, I mean, I actually don't mind auditioning. I don't. It's fine. You, you know, not everybody knows all of your stuff and I, I'm okay with that. I don't have a big ego. Uh, that was fine. But thank you for saying that. Anyway, mm-hmm. I was like, and it was on a Friday and They needed me to work, you know, like in a week. And, and they said, you know, if you want to do the role, then the role is yours. So uh, for some reason, I think I went to New York for a weekend to look for an apartment. And then I brought my boyfriend with me at the time and he was in LA. And I also was like, this is a soap opera in itself, but it was a boyfriend I had been dating for three years. And I thought, well, maybe I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, you know, going to the East coast. Maybe he'll ask me to marry him. And he was not the marrying kind. So, you know, he's kind of just let me go. And then I broke up. <laughs> but I remember going with him to look for an apartment. And, and we went out to a restaurant with Jill Phelps just, you know, to chat with her. And my tooth, I had broken. Like, you know how sometimes you get a chipped tooth or, you know, people like get a chipped tooth. I think I got a chipped tooth like that day. I maybe was trying to open a bottle with my teeth or something and my tooth chipped. And I thought, oh, no, this is the worst timing. I'm gonna, I mean, Jill knows me, but I'm going to go and have dinner with Jill and I have a freaking tooth that's chipped. This is just not good. So I spent the whole dinner, like my hand over, over saying, Jill, I'm really sorry. You know, uh, my tooth is chipped. I just can't let you see my tooth. So I'm covering my mouth. But anyway, she was lovely and nice. And I found an apartment and then I, you know, went there the the following um, week. Um, Everybody in Guiding Light, you know, I mean, every show you're on, it's like a big family and uh, they were all amazing and wonderful. And um, I, you know, had a great time with all the other actors and uh, just tried to play Mindy Lewis. I'm not the favorite Mindy Lewis by any stretch of the imagination, Um, but I tried to, you know, imbue her with a sense of, strength and confidence and um you know she was a person that was um very in a, in a nice way very righteous and and just and you know from a really good family and um uh you know uh, I I just tried to to give her as much love in the part that I could um and I uh, ultimately I left that show you know for I just wanted to come back to Los Angeles. Um, I I wasn't really happy living in New York, but yeah, I I appreciated my time on the show.
2: Well, once you did go back to LA, the both of the beautiful came a calling and you played the role of Aggie
0: Forrester. Yes, and what, you know, a
2: little inside
0: scoop on that was that when I was doing, when I got the role of Mindy on Guiding Light, I heard through the grapevine that Bill Bell was really mad because he said, oh, I was just about to use her on a role on Bold the Beautiful. Why did she go to Guiding Light? I'm so mad about that. And I think he was mad at CBS and said maybe something to some CBS people. I don't know. I just heard through the grapevine. I didn't ask any questions. That's just sort of like the rumor that I heard. Um, but that made me feel good that Bill was you know, thinking of me. Um, so maybe that was in the back of my mind, too, a little bit that I wonder if I go back to Los Angeles, if something will happen, you know, with, um, within the, within the Bell universe. And it did like right away, like they heard that I was off the show and right away they called me and said, we want you on the boat the beautiful. And yeah, Maggie Forrester, um, was a completely different kind of character, much more homespun than Leanna love and working with Ian Buchanan who I adore, and became such good friends with uh was just such a lucky uh term for me to be on that show and then um, uh, you know uh, uh, having sheila carter as my nemesis it was it was a really fun time i had a great you know this is such a such a family run still family run home spun show with and ed scott's over there now and a lot of my friends are over there from my uh y days I, I love that character, you know, and I really had a good time with her. I, I think at the time they were thinking about expanding it to an hour. So bringing me on and having uh, another family maybe to expand on was in their minds. They were thinking about that and talking about that. Uh, and I think it was Bradley Bell that was... Um, also tasked with, you know, coming up with some ideas about how to make that happen. Um, I believe this is kind of what, again, what I heard through the grapevine. And then they decided that it was really working at the half hour mark, and they decided, you know, we're not going to go to to an hour. And there just wasn't room for me, you know, to be there. So I don't. Oh, they made. So what they did with the, did they do frequent antivirals they don't they don't want the viewers to miss people too much i think the 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 actors or the characters so they turn you into a bad person and if they turn you into a bad person and you do something bad on the show then the viewers are like oh i don't like that maggie forrester anymore she's so mean let's get oh i'm glad we're getting rid of her i don't like her anymore so you know i mean the fans are are soap operas bread and butter i mean so you don't want to piss off the fan. So they made me kind of bad, and I remember I was such a good character, and then I turned kind of bad, and then and then I was let go from the show. But you know, it's fine. It's, well,
2: you know, being held hostage by Sheila at the yes. psycho house can really do a number on someone, and and turn oh, yeah. out suddenly evil.
0: True, it's true. So there was there was reasons that I went all psycho. <laughs>
1: Um, so while your name is very well known among daytime fans, as you mentioned, you have simultaneously carved out, no pun intended, a very impressive legacy in the world of slasher and horror films. So first, were you a fan of the horror genre before you started working in it? You know, I, I, I
0: don't think I was really, I think I, I started in this business because I was an actor and I just love telling stories and illuminating the human condition and, dealing with understanding why people do the things they do, the psychology of people. That's really what is exciting to me. Um, It was only because I got cast in this movie called Reanimator back in 1984 by Stuart Gordon that the world of horror sort of opened up for me. And that that movie was based on some short stories by the writer H.P. Lovecraft. And, and I later was in another Stuart Gordon movie called From Beyond. And that was also uh, based on an H.P. Lovecraft story. And I think after I did From Beyond, I realized, oh, you know, I'm a soap opera actress, but I think I also do horror movies. This is what, kind of what I do. So I kind of embraced that. And I don't know if there's anybody else that's done as many. Horror- I don't think
2: as many. Not as many. Yeah. I
0: mean, I mean, some people have, but. So I've kind of been able to kind of, you know, go back and forth at this point, which is really nice. I mean, I think in some ways horror and soap operas is a little similar in the way that they're both maybe a little melodramatic, maybe bigger than life, a bigger experience. Um, Soap operas certainly tug at your heartstrings and really make you feel things very deeply. It's a very... um, Fan-driven, very invested sort of uh, medium. And I feel like horror movies are that way too. Um, horror movies really do make you feel something mostly scared, uh, but it's also a, a great release. You know, it's wonderful to feel scared and then usually the hero or the heroine overcomes adversity and wins. So, you know, you, you get to watch the trajectory of somebody being in peril and then winning out over, over evil. So, um, there's there's definitely an emotional component to both that weighs heavily on on a viewer. Um, And yeah, I just started, you know, I, I moved up to San Francisco and then really wasn't doing soap operas anymore. I was raising my kids. I have a daughter who's 19. I have a son who's 21 and they're both in college. And I got a call out of the blue. I just really wasn't working anymore and wasn't even thinking about it. But about 13 or 14 years ago, I got a call out of the blue to be in a movie called you're next. And that uh, was directed by Adam Wingard who directed the latest Godzilla versus Kong and was doing a number two. And uh, they called me out of the blue and they said, Oh, do you want to be the mother in this horror movie? And nobody had called me or talked to me in years. I was surprised that my agent still had my number. (laughs) And I said, well, do they want to meet me or talk to me? Like I'm the mother in this movie. Who are my children? Do they? Am I old enough to play the mother of a thirty-year-old? I, I don't know. I had all these questions. And I just said, "Look, they're just offering you this part. The script is pretty good." Um, one of the producers with Keith is Keith Calder, who was kind of a prolific producer. And I, I didn't know anybody. And I said, "Okay, motherhood is really hard, and acting is really fun. So <laughs> let me go act for a minute." It was only. 10 day or 11 day commitment. And then I'll come back and it'll be a blip and it'll be fun and whatever. So I got onto that set and I worked with all these amazing people. Uh, and I, the acting bug hit me again. And so I told my agent after that movie that I wanted to recommit myself to acting and could I do it living in San Francisco and just flying around anyway, then I started um, Then I started um just reaching out to different people, and then I got invited for some reason because of your next. It was bought by Lionsgate, and it was a you know put out on wide screens and everything you know a number of years ago, and it sort of reminded people that I was still around. So I I started getting calls from um, film festivals and other other production companies asking me to be in their movies, and then I just started flying to do jobs from San Francisco. So I thought, oh, okay, maybe I can act again. Maybe I can do this. Then I started reading scripts and then people started asking me to help them produce them. So then I started doing that. I, I, I didn't plan it, but it just sort of happened organically. So now I've produced a few movies. Um one was Beyond the Gates a number of years ago, and then another one was um, Jacob's Wife, where I, I think I mentioned Dark, you know, Dark Shadows kind of, um, uh, you know, love kind of connection where I played a vampire and then um, I executive produced a movie with JK Simmons and Ryan Quanton called glorious that just came out a few months ago. And I just finished uh, a movie last summer called suitable Flesh*, which is another uh, movie based on an HP Lovecraft story that stars Heather Graham, Bruce Davison, Jonathan Sheck and Judah Lewis. And so that will be coming out this year. So, you know, trying to kind of balance out my life and do it, do it all. If I can I'll do a little more producing, do a little more acting and horror movies and, and don't rule out, you know, doing more work on, on this show. If the writers are listening or sure. <laughs> so, yeah, really, really enjoying just, you know, still being asked to act. I will say, I, I do want to, you know, talk a little bit more about my just recent time with the, or YR, because your listeners are, you know, really hardcore soap fans that I had the best time being there for this show and reconnecting with people that I hadn't seen in years. And everybody was so warm and welcoming and so nice to me. And, uh, just, I think my character interacted with almost every character on the show. A lot of people did because it was a big, it's a big, um, you know, uh, anniversary party, um, for Genoa city. And, uh, all the, all the uh, characters were interacting with everybody. So I had a few lines of dialogue with almost, almost everybody, which was really exciting and fun. And just, you know, really was like being at a party just these last couple of weeks being there.
2: Well, what did it mean to you just to get the call? Because it had been a number of years.
0: Well, hello. I'm going to tell you how that happened because I reached out to them because they had asked me over, the, the last few years, would you like to come back and do a few episodes? But I was in San Francisco, and it just seemed. I I, I think I know now that other people have been doing that. Like Trisha Cass lives out of town, and Patty Weaver lives. You know, uh, well, she actually she lives pretty close. She lives down on Long Beach, but um, some of the other people, like Michael Damian, lives in Las Vegas, and he comes in. I just I don't know. Just I didn't feel like it was going to work for me to just come down for a few days. Like, come and do three days and then fly back up. And it just wasn't going to work for me. I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. But they had asked me so many times that when I saw online that it was the 50th anniversary of Young and the Restless, I said to my agent, call them back up. I moved back to L.A. Would they want Leanna to come back for the 50th anniversary party? And they said, yeah, we'd love that. So it was really me calling them going, hi, Uh, I'll come back if you want me to help you celebrate your 50th anniversary, because really the show and that character and that part is such an important part of my history and my favorite character that I've ever played on a soap opera. And one of my favorite characters I've ever played in any medium. Uh, I've always said that I love Leanna Love. So I, you know, I mean, they said, yes, So I said, okay, I'll do it.
1: That's amazing. Well, what did it feel like to step back on the set and to go into that studio again after so many years?
0: Well, like I said earlier, it felt like it was a, like I was back in time, you know, because it everything runs the same. They you know, you you come in, you 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 have your blocking or sometimes you don't you do, you know, what's called um, um, lock to tape. Uh, sometimes you do, you come in in the morning and then they run you through all the scenes and then you go back in the makeup room and you think about where you're going to walk and move. They didn't have time to do that with all these, you know, so many characters. So they said, we're going to do block and tape. So basically I went in and put my makeup and costume on and then came down and we just did a quick run through and, um, and then, and then we taped it. And, and I guess I go back to the first you know, my first time on the, on um, days of our lives and say, I had a lot of lines. I had had a lot of lines. Leanna had a lot of lines on the first day and I thought, Oh my God, am I going to remember these lines? (laughs) It was the same back. Like I was Tristan because (laughs) you have to come in performance ready. Okay. You there's, you know, and I hadn't done the show for so long that I was like, Oh my God, I got to come in performance ready. I'm probably going to have, you know, just, a short amount of time to my, my first scenes were with Peter Bergman and, and Susan Walters. And, and um, they're both amazing and very giving performers. And, you know, they were like, yes, we'll run it with you, Barbara, whatever. But we really only had five minutes to run it. So I ran it with my husband hundreds of times and I said it to myself a lot of times. And I, And I even take my phone now and I, and I film myself saying my lines. And then, you know, that also is a little technique that helps me. And, you know, I, I, I got it. I got my lines out. (laughs) You know, once I got through that first day back, I felt, I felt more comfortable and I felt fine. But again, I, I just wanted to make sure that I disarmed everybody and I let them know I got this. Don't worry about me. You know, uh, you're not going to have to slow down for me. I, you know, I can work at your pace. And, and so, uh, I had the scripts like two weeks in advance. And so I really worked hard on it, um, to be ready. And it was, so that aside, you know, uh, just mechanically making sure that I did the job right. And, and, you know, fulfilled what they asked me to do, uh, just seeing everybody was just amazing. And, um, you know, uh, just seeing Eric and Melody again, who you know, I was really worked a lot with when I was there and love them both personally, love them both. And just seeing them again was so amazing and seeing Peter again and Tracy, of course. And I have to give a shout out to Laura Lee bell because Laura Lee um, kind of heard some glimmerings that, you know, I might come back and she kept messaging me on Instagram and saying, I really hope you come back. And, we'd love to have you and, you know, you're just so great. And, you know, anyway, she was just, I felt like she was the ambassador for me, like welcoming me back. And, uh, you know, she's really, um, she's really become that for the show. I think just in terms of, you know, being a face of the Bell family on the show and just, you know, being the one that's, that's, you know, she does a lot of social media now on the show and it's like, she's just, you know, she's just taking up, the mantle where she can, and I and I and I felt like she really went out of her way to make me feel welcome and warm, and and you know I I really appreciate that, and I told her that too. Um, anyway, it was it was great, and if I'm missing anybody, Jess Walton, Eileen Davidson, Michelle Stafford is like Michelle Stafford is another very free actor. Just I didn't really have any lines with her, but just watching her work, she's she's amazing. She's an amazing actress. So it was really great to see her. And I, you know, I did have some, um, have uh, some words with Sharon and Joshua and Amelia and, you know, just uh, they're, they're all fantastic. And and then um, I had some, I had some, uh, some lines with um, the Jeremy Stark character, James Hyde. And that was super fun. Cause I think, you know, he, he there was this one line, I don't think Matt mind me saying this, but uh, there's this one line where, you know, his character talks about getting out of prison. And then, you know, they have me have a line where I say, um, you know, Leanna being the journalist is kind of in the background and she's going, and they had me say this line prison. Hmm. So I was like, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's kind of attractive to Leanna for whatever reason. Is it attractive? Is it just attractive for information? And so Leanna overhears this and I played it like prison. Oh, like that's like sexier. That's cool. Or, you know, like Leanna would think that's kind of really interesting. Um, so that was sort of fun. And everybody was laughing at the fact that I played the line that way. And we got a few chuckles out of it on set.
2: That's awesome. And then I saw on Instagram that you got to use Jeannie Cooper's dressing room. That must have been an honor and brought up some memories.
0: It was. It was. They, you know, they used to give me Jeannie Cooper's dressing room on occasion when she wasn't in that day. Um, so whenever I was in her room, I always felt like, wow, it's really cool to be in in Jeannie's room, and and it was really nice. Um, my first week, I was in, um, I was in a different dressing room, but then um, the second week, um, I shared a dressing room with Patty Weaver. She and I. Um, shared <clears throat> Jeannie's room and then Patty left for a couple of days. And then I had the room by myself and I think that's normally Amelia's room. And then she bunked in with, um, with Melody. And I was thanking Amelia for letting me have her room um, just so, you know, they, they gave me a little, uh, they gave you know me a nice room. Anyway, I, I was really appreciative of that. But yes, I mean, Jeannie Cooper was the first person I ever met on set when I was there, when I was first on the show in 1987. And I, I watched the show when I was in high school. So I was a fan of the show before I came on. And she was the first person I met. And, of course, everybody tells famous, fabulous stories about Jeannie being so nice and so welcoming and just such a dear person and, you know, when you start any new show, you're nervous. And she completely opened her arms to me and was so nice and just made me feel like I really belonged. And um, she continued to have that same energy towards everyone on the show always. And yeah, meant a lot to me to be in her dressing room. I mean, there was like, look, a lot of little moments like that happened during, you know, my recent stint there. And uh, it was just, it was really nice. I had a really nice time. Mm-hmm.
1: Well when you think about the fact that YNR is celebrating 50 years and that you really made a mark on the show, what does that mean to you? Especially if you were a viewer beforehand? It's
0: it's quite something. It's quite something. I mean, there's a lot of of, of um fare for people to view now. There's a lot of movies that are streaming, there's a lot of television shows, there's games, video games, there's you know, TikTok, there's YouTube and Uh, there's a few soaps that really, I don't think they're going away. They won't go away. There's, there's a few that are doing it better than anybody. And, uh, YNR is, is right up there that, I mean, you don't get any better than that. And I know a lot of people that used to work on some other shows in New York when, when they were no more, a lot of those people, some of the directors came over to YNR. So I think they have the best crop of people working on the show now. And just the fact that it's been going on for this long, doing anything for this long is I know how I felt just being alive after 50 years and just doing a show 60 pages or more every single day, you know, for for 50 years is quite a feat. And I'm so honored to say that I've been a part of the show and and that I'm, you know, just I, i been able to work with these amazing actors and producers and writers and camera people and makeup artists and it's just it's quite a feat and it's just an honor it's really an honor to say and that's why I wanted to come back when I heard they were doing the 50th anniversary I said you know I I don't know I kind of want to do that or be part of that if they if they're interested you know because it's meaningful to me my time on the show was very meaningful and my character is meaningful to me, and still continues to be to this day.
2: Well, you're not even back yet, and I'm already team more Leanna love. So hopefully, you know, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so before we let you go, Barbara, when when you think back to the Barbara Crampton that first set foot on the days of our lives set as Trista, you know, how would you say that your career mm. in in and out of soap operas, but in soap operas, you know, has has shaped like the life that you've had, the career that you've had.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And thank you for that. I do feel like way back then I felt like a young actor who was just waiting for the phone to ring. And I was at the beck and call of whoever might
1: be interested to hire me
0: or do something. And I never felt like I could take control. I always felt like I had to stay in my lane and wait for the phone to ring and I think that continued for a long time. And I think that also, you know, for the most part, women in film have also felt the same, you know, many years ago, 30 years ago, in fact, so many stories and, and movies and television, things were written by men and not, you know, women didn't have a place. I, um, they just weren't really asked to the table. And I think that we've all sort of pushed for more equality. And we've, it's been getting better and we're getting there. And I think that over the last number of years, definitely for me in the last 15 years, I've realized, you know, I can create content. I can, I can, I can read scripts and I can work with a writer and then find a director and then find the money and then, make a movie and then have a distributor buy it. Like I would have never thought that I could do that 40 years ago when I first started. I I would have never thought that I could do that. And so uh, over time, I guess if you do anything over time, you get better at it and you also gain more confidence. And I will say oh, also over time, I, I have a lot of actor friends and I feel like now I have a better career than I had uh, when I first started in my career. And I feel like being an actor or being anybody in a creative business, it's a kind of business that ebbs and flows like this. It, you know, unless you're in that 3%, you know, Jessica Chastain or whatever, where you kind of go like this, boop, or Heather Graham, which I just work with, or you kind of go like that. Uh, most people's careers ebb and flow and you have, and being in the film industry or being an actor on a soap opera, it's, it's like a long game. It's a long game. So you have to stick it out. You just have to stick it out and, and have, And have confidence and just know that you are the controller of your own destiny and you can create things. And I don't think I knew that before, but I know that now.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, that's amazing. And we certainly are so excited to see you back in Genoa City. We will be tuning in. The countdown is on to the 50th (laughs) and we just thank you for all your time today.
0: Thank you so much, ladies. It's an honor to be here with you both. Thank you. Soap Opera Digest.